Who do the crowds say that I am? I have heard it said, particularly in high school, that there are no stupid questions, only stupid answers. But that bit of wisdom can be challenged by pointing to September the 28th on any calendar, because September the 28th is National Ask a Stupid Question Day. It was created in the 1980s by high school teachers, the same people who liked to assure us that there were no stupid questions. And the next time September 28th falls on a Sunday will be the year 2025. Now, um, I'm not sure I can wait that long to ask the questions, the stupid questions, I always wanted to ask in high school. If a vegetarian eats only vegetables and a fruititarian eats only fruit, what does a humanitarian eat? Whose cruel idea was it to put, a, the, uh, in, to put an S in the word lisp? What happens if you take no dose and wash it down with NyQuil? What's the synonym for thesaurus? Does killing time damage eternity? A stitch in time saves nine what? How come wrong numbers are never busy? Why is the third hand on a watch called the second hand? Can you buy an entire chess set at a pawn shop? And finally, what if, what if the hokey pokey really is what it's all about? As it happens, the passage in Luke's Gospel this Sunday revolves around a question. Who do people say that I am? The question is not a stupid one, though the history of Christian theology's attempt to answer it is littered with unintelligent answers. If the question is not stupid, neither is it naive. The apostles have been with Jesus now for some time. They have all had the information they need to help them arrive at the insight into Christ's real identity, but it's clear they have no clue. Is Christ a prophet? Well, that's not a bad answer in and of itself. At the very least, it tells us which the, what the average Galilean on the street was thinking when Jesus showed up in their village. And for his part, Jesus certainly acted like a prophet, calling people to repentance, working cures, exercising demons, teaching, and sharing table fellowship. In the world of first-century Jews, all these behaviors made perfect sense as something puzzling, something bizarre, and sometimes disturbing behavior of an Old Testament prophet. And you can read all about it, the, pubs, the puzzling, the bizarre, and the disturbing behavior of prophets in Kings 1 and 2, Samuel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Zechariah, just to name a few. But prophets in Israel were not merely charismatic religious figures. They were also political activists who offered very sharp critiques of kingship and the status quo. This is why they had a tendency to die early, as John the Baptist whose feast day we'll be celebrating on Friday of this week. So prophecy in Israel turns out to be a dangerous career choice. The crowds have begun to think that Jesus of Nazareth is Elijah or John the Baptist Redivivus. 
And that tells us there are storm clouds on the horizon, as the rest of the passage makes clear. But the Lord Jesus is not entirely satisfied with what the crowds think. He wants the disciples to tell them who they think he is. We should probably imagine a moment of embarrassed silence as the apostles try to figure out what the catch is. If Jesus is acting like a prophet, speaking like a prophet, teaching like a prophet, what's wrong to admitting that you are a prophet? Peter is the one who finally gets it right. You are the Christ of God. The brilliance of this response probably escapes us because we have come to think of the word Christ as Jesus' last name, his family name, Joseph and Mary Christ and their son Jesus Christ. But the word Christ comes from the Greek word Christos. It means the same thing as the Hebrew word Mashiach, anointed one. In ancient Israel, there were three types of people who were anointed, prophets, priests, and kings. Peter's confession of faith pushes us a lot further down the Christological road than the crowds have gone. And whatever Peter thinks or means by calling Jesus the Mashiach, the Christ, Luke makes clear three verses later in the Transfiguration account when the Father's voice is heard, This is my Son, my Beloved. Over the course of the summer, we will be listening to St. Luke explain in much greater detail how Jesus is priest, prophet, and Israel's true king all rolled into one. He is the one who brings Israel's story, its long story beginning with Abraham to its ultimate climax as God's chosen instrument of salvation. And Christ will be revealed as the one whom Zechariah speaks of in the first reading. They shall look upon him whom they have pierced. And also the suffering servant spoken of in the four Psalms in the book of Isaiah, the crucified Messiah. Whatever Catholics gather to celebrate the divine liturgy, like today, the same questions hangs over our assemblies. Who do we think that Jesus is? It's critical that we get the answer right because Christology, Christology and discipleship are intimately linked. We cannot be authentic disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ unless we understand who he really is and what his purpose and his mission were and are. In a few seconds, we will stand to sing the symbol of faith, the, what we commonly call the Nicene Creed. It's not only answers the question about who Christ is much clearly, and much more clearly, it prepares us to recognize him present, body and blood, soul and divinity, in the Eucharist. <laughs> 